Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, hello everyone. My name is Kennard Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Today is August 28, 2010, on a Saturday or the Sabbath or Shabbat. Please go to www.twitter.com forward slash merciful servant. That's www.twitter.com forward slash merciful servant to follow my tweets. And also visit my website, www.mercifulservantsofgod.com, to read the articles I have written. I plan on, anyway, uh, tweeting a lot more as I see world events are headed toward the uh, tribulation. And I feel it's my duty to inform people who want to know what they need to do to prepare for the terrible times that is uh, definitely going to affect all of mankind, as far as the ones that are living anyway. Of course, the ones that are dead as well, because there will be a resurrection. As I stated uh, in several programs, when the last Trump sound is seven Trump, that's when the resurrection will occur of those who are worthy to participate in that first resurrection. I've covered that in previous broadcasts. But anyway, what we want to talk about today is finish the Bible study last week, which is uh, the title of the Bible study was The Mind of Christ. And let's turn to that scripture again in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. says, For who have known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, and that literally means what it says. Uh, those who are true believers of Yeshua Messiah, or Jesus Christ being the Messiah, have his mind. And I forgot to emphasize last week that he has a Jewish mind. I don't know if any of you have realized that before. I know I, I have not realized that until recently, but Yeshua right now has and still has a Jewish mind because he has a spiritual body and it's a spiritual Jewish body and he has a Jewish mind. So he is a Jew and he thinks like a Jew. Now what I want to emphasize is this. Now let's turn to, if you need scripture proof that he is a Jew, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 14. says, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, which is the tribe that the Jews sprung out of, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. So 
Yeshua came from the tribe of Judah, which is comprised of the Jews. Now, in Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 28, it states, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. So that means that you're not necessarily a Jew as far as God is concerned, if you look like one. Neither is that circumcision, which is the outward of the flesh, which is what this is talking about, basically, is if you understand a Jewish background. The Jews, even back in the first century, had a ritual. They still have it today, of course. They have a ritual for those who want to become Jews, uh, that aren't born Jews, Gentiles. And what they do, they um, they do a ceremony where they, if you're not circumcised, they circumcise you. And if you are already circumcised today, what they do is they prick your male organ with a uh, pen or whatever, and, and, and blood comes out, a little blood that symbolizes the circumcision. But anyway, Jews even today teach that you have to do that to become uh, a Jew or to be a part of the Jewish fellowship. Of course, Christ came on the earth to say that that's not the case. But anyway, that's that's um, another topic. But anyway, verse 28, For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew. This is the key verse here, verse 29. He is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And why is he one inwardly, ladies and gentlemen? Because of that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, those people who follow the Messiah have his mind. They think like him. And if you think like him, then you are thinking like a Jew. There's no other way to conclude other than that, that if you truly are a follower of Yeshua, then you're going to be following a Jew, ladies and gentlemen. And you are going to be acting like a Jew, and you're going to do what the Jews do. I mean, the righteous Jews. <laughs> Not the, the unrighteous ones who deny Messiah, but those who basically, uh, not basically, but do accept that Yeshua is the Messiah. I'm talking about Messianic Jews or Jews who have woken up to the reality that Jesus Christ or Yeshua Messiah is the Messiah. Now, that doesn't mean you avoid Orthodox Jews or Jews of the various branches, the conservative, and you have the Orthodox, you have the very Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox, and you have the Reformed Jews. All right, so you have different branches of Judaism. It's not as many branches as Christianity, that's for sure, but you do have your different branches. And I do fellowship with Jews, those who aren't hostile toward my belief that Yeshua is the Messiah, and I suggest that you do the same, because Romans 1, verse 16 states that the gospel is especially for the Jews and also the Gentile. And so we should be witnessing also to Jews who are not hostile. I don't want to underscore that or emphasize that, that are not hostile toward the message. Now, those, of course, that are hostile, you need to stay away from them, like anti-missionaries that, that are totally just trying to disprove that Yeshua is the Messiah when if you do a real careful Bible study of the Tanakh or the Old Testament, it's just so obvious that Yeshua is the Messiah. There's no, no other person that can fit the profile of the Messiah. But anyway, Romans 2, verse 29, and 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, uh, really helps you to understand what, this is saying here, it says, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, 
and circumcision is that of the mind and the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you truly have the Holy Spirit of God, if you have the Spirit of God, then you will have the mind of Christ. There is a scripture also that that associates the Spirit of God with the Messiah. Let me see if I can find this here in my uh, concordance here. So when you combine all these scriptures together, then a clear picture should, should come. So... See if I can find this here. Let's see, Spirit of God. Here we go. Romans eight verse nine. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man not have the spirit of Christ, here we go. The spirit of Christ. He is none of his. He is none of his. So, you, in actuality, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're receiving the Spirit of Christ. And you think like him and you act like him. That is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know if you've ever realized that. I know I, I didn't realize it until recently. And that only proves even more that uh, we should be keeping uh, the commandments of God we should be keeping the, the commandments of God. So, and then there's another scripture, Philippians 1, verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And then 1 Peter 1, verse 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them. So the Holy Spirit was in them. The Holy Spirit is also the Spirit of Christ based on these scriptures. So... That that is something that you really need to to understand. And, you know, it took me. Here we go in Galatians four verse six. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, "Abba, Father." That's the reason why Yeshua stated that He must go to the Father so He can send His Spirit, His power to us, so that we can keep the commandments. So that we can keep the commandments. So that that is some some deep revelation to to really think about and consider, ladies and gentlemen. That the spirit of of God is really it's the spirit of the Father, but it's also the spirit of Christ. And that spirit wants to dwell with anyone that wants to believe in them. And how do you believe in them by keeping the commandments of God? And He stated again in Matthew five verse seven. Uh, Matthew 5 verse 17 he did not come to destroy the law or the Torah the teachings of God and the Bible states that he in John 15 verse 10 kept his father's commandments and the Bible indicates in 1 John chapter 2 that we must follow his example that we must follow his example and Hebrews 13 verse 8 states that Yeshua Messiah never he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews thirteen verse eight. So you put all these scriptures together, and I'm doing it in, in a simple way to prove this point. First uh, John two verse six. He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. 
Now, this is in the context of keeping the commandments in First John 2, verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him if, if we keep his commandments. So you don't know Yeshua if you don't keep his commandments, verse 4, or the Father's commandments. Verse 4, he that says, I know him and keep not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know that we are in him. And, that, and that's the key. We have to be spiritually in him, and he has to be spiritually in us for us to be at one. He wants a family. That's the ultimate goal, as outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 of the creation of man. God wants to extend his family, and he wants to do it through man. And he will do it through mankind. He will succeed. Because God is not a failure. And in John chapter 17, I wanted to emphasize something here, if I can find the scripture. Okay. John 17, verse 3 states, and this is life eternal. You want the definition of eternal life? This is it. That they might know thee, the only true God, when he was talking about his Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So if you want to understand eternal life, you must know the Father and the Son. And how do you know them? By keeping their commandments. Plain, simple formula in Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2, verse 20. States the following. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, through the Holy Spirit again. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So, if Christ is truly living in you, and then you're going to think like him, you're going to have his mind, you're going to do what he did in the first century. Because the Bible states that he's doing the same thing he did in the first century as far as his character and how he lived. Hebrews 13, verse 8 states plainly, Jesus Christ, are you sure Messiah the same yesterday, today, and forever? Remember that scripture, Hebrews 13, verse 8. And if you believe these scriptures I'm quoting to you, which is in the New Testament, stating the fact that Christ is supposed to live in you, doing the same thing he was doing and influencing you to do the same, then how can you say that you're not supposed to keep the, the Sabbath? Because he kept the Sabbath. He kept the holy days. And John 15, verse 10, it proves that. He said he kept his father's commandments. And then John, which is one of the uh, disciples that was real close to him, stated in First John 2, verse 6, that we must walk just like he walked or follow his example, walk in his footsteps. And those feet went every Shabbat to a Jewish a synagogue, and he kept the Shabbat. Now, should we do that? Yeah, if if Jews will allow us to do it. Now, most Jews wouldn't allow you to go to the synagogues. But if you can't go to a synagogue, you have a synagogue within your home. You fellowship with people of like minds that believe that they need to keep the Shabbat and the holy days like Yeshua. And you have a, a synagogue within your home. That's what they did in the first century as well when they were persecuted and weren't allowed to go to the Jewish synagogues. So, um, I hope I've explained that to you in reference to um, Jesus Christ and having his mind and, and realize that the Holy Spirit is really the Spirit of Christ being in us and helping us to become like him. Now, let me go over this again. Christ's true followers think like Jews and act like Jews. It doesn't mean they are Jews physically, but spiritually they are. Because Yeshua dwells in them, and, and Yeshua is a Jew. True followers of Christ love the Jews, and they enjoy being around them, as I do. Uh, they love everything that is Jewish. I certainly do. 
because I know my Lord and Savior is a Jew. And he stated that salvation is, he said, and John, let's turn it here, John 4, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, beginning of verse 22, he stated, You worship ye know not what. In other words, you don't know what you're worshiping. We know what we worship, so he included himself with the Jews, with the tribe of Judah, for salvation is of the Jews. And then I showed you last week in Romans 3, verse 1 to 3, that God states that the oracles were committed to the Jews and they have an advantage, even though they don't believe. A lot of them don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. They still have an advantage. That advantage is that they can interpret the Bible like no, no, no other people can. And we can have that advantage, too, if we accept Yeshua Messiah and you allow him to live within you, then you'll start to acquire and inherit that advantage that a Jew has because Yeshua Messiah is a Jew. Okay. And I just want to underscore that, you know, I love everything that is Jewish as long as it does not violate the Torah or teachings of God. And I don't know if I explained this to you before, but some of the teachings, some of their teachings as... Uh, Christ had stated here in Matthew, this got through writing a letter to a fellow Torah teacher. Um, let's see, I'm trying to find the scripture that I quoted here. Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, I think. Yeah, let me turn there. Matthew 16, verse 12. Yeah, he says right here in verse 11 of Matthew 16, verse 11. How is it that you do not understand that I spoke it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven? And in this context, leaven means teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 12, then he understood how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Pharisees, of course, uh, are the uh, foundation of the rabbis today. And the Sadducees, uh, actually, the Karaites have some similar beliefs of the Sadducees, although I think they claim that they, they don't exactly, um, are, they're not exactly descended from the Sadducees. So anyway, the point of the matter is Jews have really good teachings, and I do go by them as long as they don't violate Torah or the apostolic scriptures, and that's what you should go by as well. Now, also, the foundation of the assembly or church of God is Jewish. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, states, states this. It says, Where... For remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Again, this is talking about the ritual of circumcision that um, they did in the first century to make them a Jew because they were teaching at that time that Gentiles couldn't be saved uh, without becoming a Jew or being circumcised. Anyway, during that ritual. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ being aliens. So if you're without Christ, if you don't believe 
that Yeshua is the Messiah, then you are aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You're separated from the people of God, Israel, and strangers from the covenants or agreements of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, and that word sometimes means once, were far off, are made near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who have made one, and has broken down the middle wall partition between us. Now, for you to understand that, you have to understand Jewish background. And let me explain. The temple, they had a section for the Gentiles. They had a partition between. Uh, what he's symbolically saying here is that the blood of Christ knocked down that middle wall partition. There's no separation at all now between Gentiles and Jews. Verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Now, this is when people get tripped up, that word law is not referring to uh, the Torah. And people, they get mixed up on the scripture and they think, oh, we don't have to keep the law of God, and that's not true. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to, to understand that, uh, you know, King James and, and, his <laughs> and his cronies meant well in translating the Bible, but because they were already with a Protestant mindset of thinking that Sunday is uh, the day that you worship God on and, and they... We're, we're believing a lot of other things that the Catholic Church had uh, taught them, even though they broke off from the Catholic Church. Protestants still hold on to some of the Catholic Church's teachings, and that's one of the major teachings that they hold on to, that Sunday is the day, is the day of worship, and it's not. There's nowhere in the Bible that that can be proved. Now, in books where people misinterpret scriptures, that can be proved, but not in the Bible. The Bible does not reveal that Sunday is the day of worship. However, it does reveal that the Shabbat, Saturday, is. And that never went away, if you want to believe what the Bible says. But if you want to believe your local minister down the street, then fine, go ahead and do that. But if you want to believe what the Bible says, continue to listen to what I have to say. But um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, so when it says the law of commandments, contained in the ordinances. That word ordinances means dogma, and that's talking about a secular type of law. It's not talking about the law of God. And I did a Bible study on this matter of fact, an extensive Bible study, because I don't have time to go into this right now. But I implore you to listen to my six-hour Bible study. Uh, the first by a part of it is, is the law of Moses nailed to the cross? The second one is, what is sin? And the third one is, one law, one Torah, teachings for all of mankind. Please listen to that. And if you look up every scripture and you believe every scripture, you'll understand that the Torah of God, or the law of God, that's, that's, it, was, it was translated law by the King James and, uh, translators. But it really should be translated Torah, the teachings of God. There's one teachings for all of mankind. And that is the truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. So in verse 15, it states that the hostility, having abolished in its flesh the enmity of the hostility, the law of commandments and ordinances. Okay, and that's not talking about the, the Ten Commandments, nor is it talking about the law of Moses, because the law of Moses is the law of God. But to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, verse 16, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the hostility. 
And what this is talking about, too, is any teachings that is against the law of God. It's not talking about the law of God being being uh, nailed to the cross or, or taken away. Verse 17, And came and preached peace to you which were far off and to them which were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now this is the scripture I wanted to get to. Verse 20, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles which... All of the apostles were Jews, and the prophets, most if not all the prophets were Jews. Moses was a Jew, okay? Jesus Christ, who is a Jew as well, being the chief cornerstone, and whom all the building fitly framed together grow up into a holy temple unto the Lord, okay? So the foundation of the assembly of God, which is translated church, it really be, should be translated assembly. People assemble to worship God or congregation, which is the assembly, it is Jewish. The foundation of the assembly or congregation is Jewish. And consists that foundation consists of the apostles and the prophets, which one of the major ones was Moses, who was a Jew. He was a Levite. So I don't know if you realize this or not, but the church, its foundation is Jewish. So let's, let's keep that in mind. We can't run away from the Jews. We can't act like um, we can gain salvation without understanding the Jewish people. Our Lord and Savior is Jewish. And that's what we've been doing for, I think, thousands of years now. Or shortly after the, the first century was over, we've been forgetting that Yeshua is a Jew. And a lot of us, or some, anyway, have been a little anti-Semitic. Not a little, a lot. I mean, our history proves that what we've done to them over the years, Jews. So we have to wake up to reality here and realize that uh, the Jews have a, have a role in this, a major role in this. We will be ruled by Jews. <laughs> the greatest Jew of all will be ruling this world. And then his 12 partners, his 12 apostles, will be ruling under him. So let's, let's understand that here. Let's get a clear picture of that. Okay? So you know, I'm just trying to be as clear as I can here. So to summarize what I talked about last week, Christ stated that salvation is of the Jews. He did not come to destroy the law that's found in Matthew 5, verse 17 and 19. The Sabbath is for all of mankind, not just for the Jews. That's found in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. He stated that we need to build treasure in heaven. That's found in Luke 12, verse 33, and Mark 10, verse 21. He also stated that your life does not consist of the things that you possess. It doesn't, it's not about how many Mercedes Benzes you have, etc. It's about what you do. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And then he also stated for us to love our enemies and become complete or perfect like the Father. That's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 44 to 48. Now, and I stated before that Yeshua follows his Father's example. Let's turn to John 5, verse 19. John 5, verse 19.
Then Jesus, then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, the Father, these also the Son likewise. So everything that Yeshua did on the earth, the Father did himself. Of course, the Father didn't allow himself to be killed, but I'm talking about his character. As far as obeying the law, the Father obeys his own law that he's created. He's not a hypocrite. Now, as I stated before, we must follow the Messiah. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 24. It says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, which means it's going to be great difficulty, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be great difficulty following him. Uh, and, and, and he wants you to follow him, though. And he's going to help you follow him. He's going to get you through that difficulty. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34. It says, And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. So we need to deny ourselves and take up his cross and follow me. Again, indicating that it's going to be difficult and it will be painful. And it is painful. But he gets you through it. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing you lack, go thy way, sell whatsoever you have, and give to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. So that's how you have treasure in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. Caring about other people. Caring about other people. And giving your time to people. Just like I give each and every week. I do these Bible studies. It's a lot of work and effort on my end to do that. But I don't care because I, I want to do the right thing. I, I understand I'm building treasure in heaven. But I'm beginning to, to, to understand that I'm doing this because I would love for someone to do this for me as well. Treat, treat, I'm learning how to treat people the way I would like to be treated. Sure, I'm going to get all the treasure in heaven. But more important than that, I'm helping somebody. And, I, and that brings joy to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Starting at verse 1, it says, Be ye followers of me as I am also of Christ. I just wanted to point that out because Paul followed Christ. And if he followed Christ, and he kept the commandments, and he continued to keep the commandments to the day of his death. So I, don't, I wanted to point that out to you. Now, this is something that may be hard for you to understand, but it's the truth. The world, back in the first century, not everyone, but the majority, hated the real Yeshua Messiah. I'm going to emphasize, underscore, the word real, and his true believers. For proof of that, let's turn to John 7, verse 7. And they continue to do so to this day. John, chapter 7. I'm talking about the real Yeshua in the Bible, not the one that people fabricate today. The one that stuck his finger in his father's face and said, Hey, I don't have to keep your commandments. I'm going to make my own. John chapter 7. Because that's exactly what you might as well say he did. I mean, he didn't come to change his father's law or his law. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't come to do that. Matthew 5, verses 17 and 19 proves that. And people, you wouldn't believe the many crazy different interpretations that people have about that, and it really states exactly what it states. It's so plain that a little child can understand. 
John chapter 7, verse 7. The world cannot hate you, but me it hates. And he was talking to his brothers, his literal brothers. Because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. And that's the reason why people don't really like what I state. Because I preach the truth. And how do I preach the truth? It's, it's not anything great that I'm doing. All I'm doing is open a Bible up and quoting the scriptures. And I'm not afraid to quote any scripture. Because I, I, I follow the scripture where it says you must live by every word of God. Not just some of it, but all of it. And I believe all of it. No matter how hard it is for me to accept, I accept it. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Starting in verse 18 and 19. states this, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. That's why I don't have a, a great ministry, and you know I, I don't preach what the people want to hear. I preach what they need to hear. <laughs> That's a different story, you know. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna badmouth any of these ministers. But I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. I just give a description of ministers in nice suits walking around without a Bible, uh, sweating and, and preaching on Sunday, and, and getting all the money from folks, and, and, and getting richer and richer and richer. That's not what ministry is all about. And, and you notice that a lot of these ministers, they don't even call out the Bible. If they do, they certainly don't do it like I do it. Uh, just the whole the whole show is about just quoting the scriptures. And they just take one scripture and just run away with it and tell a story and misinterpret the scripture in a lot of cases and use uh, the, the uh, methodology of eisegesis, which is putting your own thoughts into the scriptures. But anyway, John 15, verse 19, if you are of the world, the world will love. The world loves those type of ministers. And they make ministry into entertainment, a show. That's not what it's about. Uh, John 15, verse 19, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you, and the world hates me. I know that. You know, I'm, I'm not doing this uh, to gain popularity. I'm doing this to save some lives, to... to uh, I'm doing this so that God can use me to find his children, his true children, those that want to obey him. And this is a real wise way that he has chosen to do it through Blog Talk Radio. It's a total miracle that I'm doing this. John 17, verse 14. I have given them thy word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. In John 17, verse 14. So, that is the situation here. And in verse 16, it says, oh yeah, for those who believe in the rapture, verse 15 says, I pray, you know, the rapture before the tribulation, there will be one, but look at my archives about uh, when is the rapture. I explain that. But John 17, verse 15, I pray not that, Thou shouldest taken them out of the world, that you shouldn't take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. Okay? So that right there shows uh, there must be something <laughs> wrong with this concept because they're, they're, they teach that when those that be raptured, they're going to be taken up out of the world before all the trouble begins. But anyway, verse 16, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. All right, in Matthew 10, verse 22. 
Matthew 10, verse 22. And you shall be hated of all men. This is a prophecy. Matthew 10, verse 22. And you shall be hated of all, or the majority, for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And verse 23. But when they persecute you in this city, you flee into another. But really I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man comes. And that's true. We're not going to be able to reach. And I have ministries today saying, well, we're going to preach the gospel around the world. You know, and he he states here that you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel. And you understand who Israel is today. Uh, Israel is not just the Jews today. It's, it's uh, the United States, the Commonwealth, uh, British Commonwealth of Nations, Australia, New Zealand. Aus- oh, yeah, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the countries in Northwestern Europe. Of course, anyone that, any Gentile that starts to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, is a part of the commonwealth of Israel. So that's, that's Israel. And uh, for proof of that, you go to www.britam, B as in boy, R-I-T-A-M as in mother, dot org. One of our characteristics, and this is found, I think, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, is that we are fat, fat, fat people. God calls us Jezreel, and we wax fat. That's found in Deuteronomy. Let's turn here. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we are one of the fattest nations in the entire world. And this prophecy was addressed, is addressed to the whole world, ladies and gentlemen. Deuteronomy chapter, this is from Moses, who is part of the foundation of uh, the assembly, right? Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1. Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak in, in ear and hear, O earth. So, verse 1. Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak and hear. O earth, the words of my mouth. So this is addressed to the entire world, ladies and gentlemen. And let me find what he states about Israel. So in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 15. Actually, in verse 12, he talks about Israel and how he's blessed Israel. And then in verse 12, this is a prophecy. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields. So Israel has the riches of the world. If you look at any map, look at my website. Go to um, poverty map, and you'll see that the majority of countries that are listed in green are uh, of the areas I described. We have plenty of food. But anyway, verse 13, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock, and oil out of flinty rock. Verse 14, butter of kind and milk of sheep. Oh, of course, let me include the tiny nation of Israel, too, as a part of the Israel as well. Anyway, and goats with the fat of kidneys of wheat, and thou didst drink the pure blood of the great. But Jezrun, wax fat and kick. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick. What a description of America today. Thou art covered with fatness. And then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. And you can just read the rest of this. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 is a now prophecy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Moses states here in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27, says, uh, verse 27 right here, it says, For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, 
you have been rebellious against the Lord and how much more after my death. And that's a, definitely a prophecy because uh, in verse 28, he states this in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 31, verse 28, Gather unto me all the elders of your tribes and your officers that I may speak these words in their ears and call heaven and earth to record against them. Verse 29, For I know that after my death you will utterly corrupt yourselves, and they have, and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, or the days before the coming of the Messiah, because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. And that's a prophecy. And this Deuteronomy chapter 32 is, is, is a witness against us, ladies and gentlemen, and we need to read it and study it and, and not do the things that the majority of Israelites, modern Israelites, are doing today. Okay, I have 18 minutes left. First uh, John chapter three verse thirteen. Gotta hurry up here. First John chapter three verse thirteen. Never have enough time to really go into this in detail. It says, "Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you." So look, you know, I'm not surprised that the world hates me because Christ told me that they would. So, <laughs> you know. I get persecuted from my own family. I'm not going to give certain names, but they know who they are. All right, First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 3 to 4. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it's strange that you run out with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. So people that put me down because I homeschool my child and he's getting straight A's and he's uh, thinking about becoming a tennis player, and, you know, those folks are going to get it, you know, because they have no reason to persecute me because I want to do things God's way. Uh, Acts chapter um, Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 22 states the following, confirming his souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, much problems, enter into the kingdom of God. So we're going to have a lot of problems, ladies and gentlemen, for those who want to be true believers of God. And 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, starting at verse 12, states this, Yes, and all that will live godly in Yeshua Messiah, or Messiah Yeshua, shall suffer persecution. So, suffer persecution, ladies and gentlemen. And Revelation 11 is the kicker here. Revelation 11. The world hates Yeshua, the real Jesus, and the, his real believers so much that when he comes back, <laughs> when the angel announces, the following, in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, when the seven angels sound. Revelation 11, verse 15, And the seven angels sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become, so that means that they are not literally uh, God's kingdoms yet, because he's given them over to the devil currently. Revelation 11, verse 15, And the seven angels sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. 
in verse 16, and the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Verse 18, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. I want you to notice verse 18, the beginning of it. And the nations were angry. So you're going to have people angry, a lot of people angry, that Christ is coming back. <laughs> that tells you how wicked society is and will be in the future. That's unfortunate, but that's, that's what your Bible states. So we have to understand that this is not God's world. This is the devil's world right now. And if it's the devil's world, then unfortunately he has a lot of children. And those children really don't like God's law. And they will be taught God's law. They will be taught that God requires us to obey his law. Now, there's another scripture I wanted to quote, too. Uh, it states that, you know, the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit, is also Jesus Christ. And 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 24, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and he's also the wisdom of God. So I just wanted to point that out as well. Okay, so... time we have left here we have uh, 13 minutes all right so what are the characteristics of the, of the true believers of God I'm going to try to sum this up as quickly as I can here and Matthew 5 tells you this what the characteristics are Matthew chapter 5 beginning in verse 1 to 16 verses 1 to 16 and starting at verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. You have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not just say, well, you know, I'll study the Bible later on. No, you have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Like you hunger and thirst for food and water. Verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, the compassionate, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. In other words, they keep their, their minds from filth and garbage. Uh, they shall see God. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. How do you have peace? And Psalm 119 explains that. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace, great peace rather, great peace have they which love thy law, Torah, and colon continue thought, and nothing shall offend them. And then verse 166. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. So when you hope for the salvation of God, you do the commandments. All right? Um, James 1, verse 27. James 1, verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. In other words, help the poor and to keep himself unspotted from the world. How do you do that? By obeying God's commandments. Because you're not of the world if you obey God. Plain and simple as that. Psalm 82, that's, that's the scripture in, in uh, dramatic audio 
that uh, I quote each and every program, the beginning of this program. Psalm 82. This is what we need to be doing if we call ourselves true believers. Psalm 82 says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty, the assembly of the mighty. He judges among the Elohim, or, or gods. How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah, continue to thought. Verse 3, defend the poor and the fathers. This is what we need to be doing, ladies and gentlemen. This is true, pure religion. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Now, because they, people don't understand they need to do this, it says in verse 5, they know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course because of this. Colon, continue to thought. All right? So that is true Christianity, that is true ministry when you help other people that need your help. That's having compassion. That's what ministry is all about. It's not about getting money from the people. Hebrews chapter 9 and getting rich off the people. That's not what ministry is all about. Hemisphere, uh, I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit we go again with the Holy Spirit and the Christ being uh, synonymous with each other. Verse 14, how much more are alike? Hebrews 9, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The purpose of Christ dying on the cross, ladies and gentlemen, was not for us to just to continue in sin. It was to motivate us, okay, now we have the death penalty erased from us and our past sins. Let's work really hard on not sinning again. That is the purpose, one of the purposes of him dying on the cross, to energize us to do righteous works, to keep his commandments. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. One of the principles of God, which true believers understand, uh, or they should understand. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Therefore, having the principles of the doctrine or teachings of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So one of the the first foundational um, doctrine of Christ, or God, is repenting or changing from dead works, changing from not doing anything, changing from not serving people. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 starting in verse 16, states this. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. Now, communicate, the original um, Greek word for communicate is share. But to do good and to share, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That's one of the reasons why God established a sacrificial system, to encourage the people to give. The people would give a lamb or they would give other food to the priest. The priest would take some of the food and then the rest of it would be sacrificed to God. So it was a giving and sharing type of ritual that they would do to encourage them to learn how to give and share of their possessions. Many people are not taught that about the sacrifices. But the sacrifices, one of the major reasons why God established the sacrifices is to encourage us to get us used to giving and sharing our possessions with our fellow neighbor and with God. First John chapter 2, I, I quoted this before, I'm going to quote it again. 
First John chapter two, starting in verse uh, two, says, "And he is the um, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So if we keep his commandments, we do know him. All right." He that says, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected, and hereby we know that we are in him. Matthew 4, verse 4, said we should live by every word of God. He got that, or Yeshua got that quote from Deuteronomy chapter 7, that we should live by every word of God. And that means every word of God. Not as many Protestants are taught today, the Old Testament don't count anymore. Uh, that's not true. The Deuteronomy chapter 8. So, you know, we, we must live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Got that from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And then in Revelation 12, Revelation 12, verse 17, states this. It says, And a dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remainder of her seed, which unfortunately is not going to be qualifying to to be protected, but they still do the following. They keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's another Bible study in itself there. So, ladies and gentlemen, we, we have to keep the commandments of God, all the ones that we can keep. Now, we know we can't keep the sacrificial commandments because there's no temple, but uh, there's eight chapters devoted in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 40 to 48 that reveals that the temple and the sacrifices will be reinstituted again. So that's not going to go away. Matter of fact, in Malachi, if you turn to Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1, beginning in verse 11, it says, For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense, here we go, with offerings, shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen. So the Gentiles are going to participate in sacrificial Offerings. Matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter 56, it indicates that my house, and I think it's Isaiah 56, he's talking about his temple. Isaiah chapter 56 says in verse 7, Even them, and he's talking about Gentiles, will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices. So Gentiles are going to be giving burnt offerings and sacrifices shall be accepted upon my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people, and that's a prophecy, and it will be fulfilled in our generation, ladies and gentlemen. So, next week, I'm going to talk about uh, something that needs to be talked about. Uh, I'm not going to get into it uh, today, but I'm going to talk about a serious money problem that exists among the the assemblies of Elohim or, or God today, in particular this country. And I'm going to talk about this money problem that we have. You know, I don't have it. I don't sell. Many of you that have listened to me realize that I don't sell anything. Of course, I would love to be supported, but there's a prophecy that reveals that true Torah teachers are not going to be supported in this end time because uh, because of the wickedness that exists in this country and, and around the world, and, and people only want to support those who make them feel good despite the fact that 
the feeling good is breaking God's law. And they are supporting those ministers. And so God correctly prophesied that he would be robbed. And you rob God when you don't support his true Torah teachers. And that's going on as I'm speaking. And and uh, that's one of the reasons why he's going to come back. He's going to be coming back because he's tired of that. He's tired not only of, of true Torah teachers not being supported, but he's also tired of the poor not being supported. The poor not uh, being given what get given what they need to help support themselves. That has been a constant problem all throughout history, but especially now. So I'm going to talk about that next week as well, because that has a lot to do with helping the poor, because ministers, servants of God do help the poor. And when you don't help them, the poor is not going to be helped either. They kind of go hand in hand. Many of the prophets, if not all the prophets, spoke about the affliction of the poor. Um, true servants of God talk about the poor. Talk about helping those. And I'm not talking about people who are monetarily poor, but also spiritually poor. Don't have God in their lives. Do you think Tiger Wood has God in his life? He needs God. You know, there's a lot of people that are rich that need God in their lives. They're poor in spirit. They're poor as far as not having the, the proper knowledge to be able to, to use those riches to everyone's benefit, as God commands a rich person to do in First Timothy chapter 6. So, you know, I'm going to get into that next week, ladies and gentlemen, um, how ministers should teach their students to give to them because that is that has been a big controversy that has really really deceived people for many years it's, it's kind of like when capitalism really grew in this country that's when ministries became money-making machines that they are today and God in the prophecies is against that and he's against any minister that does that. Some are doing it because they don't know any better. Well, if you are a minister like that and you don't know any better and you hear the truth next week, please repent. Repent of that and do it God's way. And I'm going to reveal that to you next week, ladies and gentlemen. May God bless and keep you, and I'll speak to you next week. Malachi chapter 4 For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.